Psalm 27. I'm going to read it. And then I'm not going to try to over-spiritualize it, which means you won't be here an hour and a half. <laughs> that is the joke. <laughs> so let's read the word of God in all seriousness. A Psalm of David. Um, now, on a parenthetical note, I like the Psalms in the King James Version, but that's just a, a preference. And I'll tell you why I like it uh, in a few minutes. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat, my, uh, eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For the time of trouble he shall hide, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said the, unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek? Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witness are, are arisen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine height, thy heart. Wait. I say on the Lord. Human beings are emotional. Ooh, pretty profound. <laughs> and the reason why I like the Psalms in this Shakespearean type language it's because it's music to my ears. It calms my soul when I'm troubled. It calms my heart when I'm weary. 
music is an emotional bond and music is of God. And so the Psalms in and of themselves, if you don't understand anything else, it's a love song to his people. And sometimes that's all we really need is a love song from the one who loves us and to the one whom we love. The modern adage of the, of the, of the computer or the, the phone sometimes takes away from the beauty of a handwritten note. Even if you can't understand my scribble when Peggy and I, many years ago, before they had computers, she would write me faithfully, and I'd write every now and then. But she kept those letters, and I, I think I have mine. But uh, the point was, it wasn't even almost what was said. It was the fact that the, the note came. In and of itself, meant a lot. And so God has written in his word not only instruction, not only this and that, he has written love songs to us. And we miss the benefits when we don't take advantage of those love songs. And so Psalm 27 is a love song, but it is also very instructional. And so I'm going to try to present the knowledge that God has laid down for me to, to put out, but also the very first and the biggest point is that this is a love song. The whole book of Psalms is a love song. Please do not miss, if you don't take anything else away, is that the Psalms are a love song so that when you are troubled, you literally can open up a song, a psalm, and hear a song of music to you each and every one. So in Psalm 27, I'm going to key on a few things. And if I was to um, try to put this in perspective in our expository preaching is what is the main point? What is what the sense of this psalm is trying to tell you? And sometimes in Psalms is really hard because Every love song kind of connects to each other, but each love song can stand on itself. So in this love song is probably the thing that encourages me above everything else. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid? There are two big takeaways that every human being, be they saved or not saved, has. You remember when I said we are emotional people? I made a joke. But in reality, there are two things. And those two things are our emotional needs and how God meets those emotional needs. Because God in many places said we are very weak and very frail. It doesn't take but 30 seconds 
or 10 seconds to change your life forever. 30 seconds without blood to the brain or oxygen to the brain can cause a stroke. 30 seconds, folks, and your life is never the same again. That's how frail we really are. And emotionally, we're even more frail. And why? And so David, I mean, David says here, the two key words that I want to pick on in this verse is light and fear and being afraid. David, the king, is fearful and afraid. The most powerful man in the nation of Israel was afraid. That doesn't make sense, does it? For those who are trying to climb the corporate, ha corporate ladder to heaven, it seems like to be the king of the hump is, is, is what we drive for. And yet the king of the hump was afraid. He had fear. He reflected the emotional frailty of every human being. There is not a human being walking today that is not afraid of something. Let me say it again. There is not a human being that is not afraid of something. Husbands and wives are afraid that they're going to lose the spouse. Business owners are afraid they're going to lose the business. Single people are afraid they're going to be lonely. Even married people are afraid they're going to be lonely. We're afraid for our children. We're afraid for the future. We're afraid we're going to blow a tire on a thousand mile road trip. We, we, we are afraid of things that don't even necessarily happen. But we are afraid people. And, and, and so why are we afraid? Why are we insecure? Why are we lonely? Why are things messy? Why are there darkness that overcomes us? Why do we fear when we hear that our children are depressed? Why, as adult parents, we're more anxious sometimes for our adult children? Why, why, why? We have things like wrongful death. Well, God is in control. How can there be a wrongful death? But we have lawsuits for things like that. And so we see not only in the first verse, but we see in verse 7, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry. Why are you crying, David? Why are Christians crying? Because we are emotionally needy. We're not all that, as they say in the in the modern vernacular. I learned that phrase. I kind of like that. Um, we 
are messy. Our lives are messy. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So fathers and mothers have been forsaking children for quite a long time. And yet, doesn't it break our hearts when we see mothers abandoning children, fathers abandoning children, fathers killing the whole family? Life is messy sometimes. In Psalm 51, David, in all his glory, he had another man killed. He took something that wasn't his. And yet God said, David is a man after God's own heart. Why? Because sin is in the world and life is messy. You put plans together and you get 20 miles down the road and you throw a water pump. And I I only got $10 left. What in the world am I going to do? Life is messy because sin is in the world. So I've given you all the negatives, but how did God answer David? And we can see the answer in the very first phrase. Um, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. As I was thinking about that word light, um, I always used to rag on um, Peggy. I'm going to use her. She's here. She can hear it. She can take it. She's stuck with me 35 years. It's kind of late now. And she liked this show called... um, I don't think it was Highway to Heaven. It was a dumb show. Um, Touched by an angel. Go to the light. Go to the light. I want to say, go to the plane, the plane. You know, if those who know um, that, that other show, I loved that when I was a little kid, uh, Fantasy Island. Go to the light. There was a... a um, um, when in Star Wars, which you wouldn't call a Christian movie, what do they got? They got a lightsaber. Why? Why a lightsaber? Man. Gravitates to light. We, we make fun of people who are moles who like being in the dark. We think there's something creepy, but. All the creepy movies, aren't they at night? You know, the, 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 the thing with the, the Halloween and the thriller, the, 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 the dance view. It's all at night. Why? Because bad things happen at night. Yet joy comes in the morning. Joy comes after a long night of crying and pain, but the light of the day warms the heart. 
And why? Why is that? Why is light, even to those who are not Christians, equated to good? Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Read that with me. We should know it pretty well. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of, the, of God moved upon the faces of the water. So Matthew and I were kind of talking about that. And I was always, I've been through the whole week kind of chewing the cud, trying to figure out something. Because I wanted to tell you what I think is correct. And, 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 and yet, there is a parallel order that I want to try to help you understand. Um, and Matthew and I were talking briefly this morning about what that Hebrew words and combinations mean. So did God create chaos and darkness? But that doesn't make sense because in Isaiah and other places, it says God destroyed chaos. And the last thing to be destroyed in the New Testament is death. So death is a, a, a thing. It's also a punishment. And so think on this now. I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but the Spirit of God moved upon the faces of the water, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the day. And Jesus in the New Testament, when, when somebody was trying to um, kind of, I'm going to use that bad word, I want to um, 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 get on God's good side, said, telling Jesus, you're good. And Jesus said, no, there is none good but God. So if I'm good, I'm God. Think about this, folks. There is nothing good on this earth unless it came from God, because God is good. Good and God are totally equal. They're not synonymous. They are equal. There's nothing good but from God, and God is the source of all good. So what troubled me about this was the earth was void and without form and it was dark and it was messy. But God created light and he conquered the darkness. In the New Testament, it says the light came and the darkness could not comprehend it. So light conquered and light is good. And then if you look at Psalm 27, what is the first thing that David says? The Lord is my light and my salvation. So if light is good and salvation is good, they're equal. And the source of the light is God because in Genesis, God created the light. So the Lord, God, is salvation. God created the light and God created the goodness of salvation. 
You see the parallel? You see how they're equal with each other? And in David's mind, the highest good was to be in the presence of God. And we see that. So David is fearful. David is afraid. David's parents left him. David's this. David's that. All the bad and evil. And instead of trying to say, well, why, God? God points you to look at me. I am good and I give you my goodness. And furthermore, I'm going to bring you into my goodness because he says this one thing that I desire in verse four that I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Above all things, I want to be in the light. So even though the dumb show didn't talk about the Lord and God, being in the light is being with God. Being in the light is being where good is. Being in the light is salvation. But it isn't the light. It's the giver of the light. The light in itself is not the salvation. The giver of the light, who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, who is the person that you have the relationship, that is the salvation. So this light bulb is not salvation. The sunlight is not salvation. The moonlight and the stars are not salvation. But they point to the creator of all of that, who is salvation. So God addresses David and by extension, every human being's need your need for loneliness, the, the, the need for, for, for your fears, the need for financial, the need for, for any substance or substance that you have. He addresses it by saying, look to me. Look to Jesus. Look to God. That is the answer. What is your question? Doesn't matter. The answer is still Jesus. What is your trouble? The answer is still Jesus. What is your heartache? The answer is still Jesus. You name it, the answer is Jesus. That is the answer. I don't have the answer. Matthew doesn't have the answer. The answer is Jesus. Tonight we have to make discussions about where we're going as a church. The answer is still Jesus. It's Jesus that authored this. It's Jesus that gave us this land. It's Jesus that brought Bonnie Lyon here. It's Jesus that brought each and every one of you to here. And then so it's Jesus who's going to be the answer. The question is, do we have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to work? Work is not for the salvation. Work is because we love God. 
God told man in the garden before he sinned to do what? To dress it. So work is not sin. Work was instituted by God for his purposes because he built us and he knew that how he built us was to work. But we don't work for our salvation. Let me make that clear because he told them to work before they were sinners. He told them to work before they were sinners. But after they sinned, their work was no good anymore. But in us, he had built the need to work. And so in this psalm, we see the fulfillment in other parts. So David says here, this one thing I desire the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And he says here, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And the Lord is my strength. Where do we see that fulfilled? Because in one level, this psalm is a prophetic psalm. It points to the day when it will be fulfilled. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 21. In Revelations chapter 21, we see the fulfillment of this psalm. In Romans and Revelations chapter 21 and 22. I'll read some of this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. David said, I want to be in his tabernacle. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears in her eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne and said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto him. Right. For the words are true and faithful. He said unto them, it is done. I am the Omega. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst, the fountain of the water of life freely. And he says, I saw In verse 22, I saw no temple therein for the Lord of God Almighty. The Lord are the temple in it. And he says in Revelations chapter 22. um, There shall be no more curse for the throne of God and the lamb be in it. 
and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their forehead and there shall be no night there and they need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Folks, I think we're unhappy because we miss the point. We miss that in the presence of Jehovah, all our tears and sorrows, they will be gone. We look around and we cry and we fuss and we worry about Trump and Hillary and Akeda and this and that and that and that. And we miss that if you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you got it all. You got it all. In the presence of Jehovah, you got it all. We've been down here crying over nothing. Because it's all going to be gone. It's all going to be burned away and God is giving us the best. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Folks, if you missed that, you are wasting your time. I'm telling you right now. If you miss and you don't long to be in the presence of Jehovah, then you don't need to be here because that's what we talk about. That's what we look forward to. That is the hope of our glory. That is the promise. And so I'm sorry. I know I'm not sorry because when I think of that song, I cry all the time. Because at the end of the day, I need my emotional heart fixed. And the only one who can fix it, the only one who's big enough to fix it, is the Lord God, Jehovah. It isn't intellectual. It's, it's that because God built us. He knows we need that more than we need anything else in the world. We need to be in the presence of Jehovah. Because that's, that's the answer. Whatever the question is, does that mean everything's going to go good down here? No, it doesn't mean that. I know that. I'm not selling pie in the sky. I'm not telling you that you won't still have that broken water pump. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to have that still financial heartache. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to have that long trek to work. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to get sick. I'm not going to tell you all of those things because there's sin in this world. And the only remedy for that is when God comes back and gives us a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. When he is the one that wipes away the tears, when he fixes everything. You notice it isn't us. It's he. So whatever your heartache, whatever your pain, whatever your fear, Whatever you're upside down, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, God is the answer. And even while you're still here on this earth, he will bring someone along to help you 
through your troubles. He isn't going to leave you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm not giving you him in wisdom. I'm giving you the promises of God. It is God who promised these things, not me. It is God who promised everything here is not our way of worshiping. It's not our methodology. It's not keeping the law. It's not all any of that foolishness. It is God and God alone. And he's standing there at the door with his hands open. He's knocking on the door. He's standing. He's whatever. He's there. He's waiting on you. You have to acknowledge your sin and turn to him. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your job. Stop trusting in your smartness. Stop trusting in your looks. Stop trusting in anything you're trusting in. And look to Jesus. So that's my message. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith.